Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us, you know... The emphasis in the Gospel of John is the deity of Jesus. John wants us to see that Jesus is the Son of God. The Word made flesh came to the world in a way that no one would have expected. The Savior of the world wrapped himself in the towel of humanity. Are you listening? And dwelt among us. And he was the only begotten Son of God. The Bible tells us Jesus declared the Father to us. In other words, the Son has brought the Father out into the open. If you've been with us, you know that uh, John has been telling us the word that they handled, the word they gazed upon, the word that had come from eternity, the Word that was equally God and essentially God and eternally God, the Word, Logos, shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend the light. Last week, we talked about that light. In Him was life, and He was the life that was the light to all men. And then we talked about John the Bee who wasn't that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That light came into the world, but the world of mankind did not know him. Chapter 1, verse 12. Look at what John has to say. Come on and read it with me. But as many as received him, come on, verse 12, read it with me. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So we pick up our study as we continue to talk about the Logos. I've titled this sermon, The Word Made Flesh. John chapter 1, saints, we pick up in verse 14. If you're looking at verse 14, say amen. amen. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what saints? Truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Underline that. For the law was given through Moses. 
But grace and truth came through who, saints? Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. I told you that John's writing style is uh, a bit mystical and uh, abstract. John says things that you need to take two, three looks at to get the impact. At the same time, John says things that are, are simple. Uh, John uses the vocabulary of a seven or eight-year-old. I told you that, I think, in two or three studies ago in the introduction. John says things that are rich and deep in theology. I told you that there's more theology in John's gospel than any other gospel. John's gospel is simple and transparent and yet beautiful and truthful. So today I thought we would look at these five verses and just kind of pull out a few words at a time, you know, different than, you know, we usually do an outline or something like that. I thought to approach this a little bit differently. Let's pull out a few words at a time and let's just kind of deal with it in those kind of chunks, if you will. For example, look at verse 14. The word became flesh. Now to hear the full force of verse 14 you got to go back up to verse 1. Go back up to verse 1, if you will. In the beginning, come on, read verse 1 with me. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, note this, the Word was God in verse 1, and the Word became flesh in verse 14. Come now, let us reason together. If the word was God and the word became flesh, then God became flesh. God became human. Did you get that? The word became flesh sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. Do your homework. The word became flesh sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. Our God, the, our God, our God, the Christian God, our God, the Bible says, took on human flesh and came to the world on what day? What day? Did you say December 25th? Get out, sir. I'm just, I'm just on what day? Christmas morn. Our God took on flesh. <laughs> that was actually good, Mark. Our God took on flesh and came into the world on Christmas morn. Our God didn't stay in the heavenlies. And he didn't remain remote and unapproachable. He became flesh. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be, what saints, equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. 
Come on, read the rest with me. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Our God has come to us in a person. He didn't just write us a letter. He didn't send us a representative. He didn't just speak his laws from a mountain. He came to us. Are y'all getting that? He came to us as one of us. The infinite became an infant. The eternal one became a wee one. I worked on that all weekend. I like that. I was sitting in my office. How can I make that nice? The eternal one became a a wee one. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) The infinite became an infant. The word became flesh. And look at this. Talk about taking it apart piece by piece, little chunks. And dwelt among us. The word dwelt, if you're taking notes, is pregnant with meaning. The word dwelt is the word for set up tent in Greek. It literally means that Jesus pitched his tent here among mortals. The word carries the idea to appear in history, to step on the stage. The Bible teaches that God stepped out of eternity and on the stage of human history, Jesus pitched his tent among men for 33 years as the God man. And Revelation 21.3 tells us, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with who, saints? Men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. This verse implies God wants to be on familiar terms with us. He wants to be close with us. God wants to have interaction with us. Think about it. If you come into a community and you build a house with walls around it, what does that say? That says, don't bother me. I don't want nothing to do with y'all. Yes. But if you pitch a tent in my backyard, you'll probably want to use my bathroom. You might want to eat at my table, use my stuff, steal my Wi-Fi. God came to pitch a tent in our human backyard so that we could have a lot of day-to-day dealings with him. Question, do you have a lot of day-to-day dealings with him? I'm talking about fellowship. Do you have fellowship with God? I mean, really. I'm not talking about like when you're driving on the 440 and you pray. Some people say, well, I pray while I'm driving on the 440. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about do you have fellowship with God? I mean, like, you sit and you spend time with God. Like, you get up in the morning and you get your cup of coffee and you just sit and you read. Were y'all at prayer meeting yesterday? Who was at prayer yesterday? It was awesome, wasn't it? For the first 15 minutes, we just read the Bible. We didn't, we didn't pray. We read the Bible, which the Bible in Psalms, we were reading really our prayers. And we just read the scriptures. Listen. If you're not getting the prayer meeting, you need to get the prayer meeting. God will make a difference in your life when you take the time out to come talk to him. Anybody believe it? Ten people. Good enough. God will 
visit with you when you take time to visit with him. And we need to be people who pray. And so yesterday we're praying and we're reading and just reading and just reading and just reading. We just kept going on. I just felt led to just go on and on with the Psalms 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96. We just kept reading. And that's what God wants. That's fellowship. You ask me, how do you fellowship with God? That's how you fellowship with God. You just take your Bible and you read it. You just, you're not going to understand everything. I don't understand everything. But it's important that we just read the word of God so that we can be like, David, I write thy word upon the tables of thy heart, my heart, that I sin not against thee. So when you fellowship with God and you just read the word of God, you just get the words onto your heart. And can I get a witness? You just get the words onto your heart. And you just just talk to God and God talks to you and you have day to day dealings with him. Do you? Jesus came to have fellowship day to day dealings with us and to reveal God to us. And he did this through the medium of his flesh. He lived among us and worked among us and prayed among us and suffered among us and died among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And here's another piece. We beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We and beheld his glory. John testifies as an eyewitness. John could say, I saw his glory. The glory belonging to the only begotten of the Father. When did John behold his glory, you ask? Well, I believe several times. John beheld his glory when Jesus turned the water to wine. It blew the people away. You know, they said, this man saves the best for last. John beheld his glory when Jesus hushed the sea to sleep. John beheld his glory when Lazarus was raised from the dead. John beheld his glory when Jesus said, Talitha kumai, Danzel, Danzel arise. Jesus beheld his glory when Jesus said to the demon that was in the man, come out of him. And Jesus said, before you do, what's your name? And he said, legion, for we are what? Many. And the demons came out of the man. Jesus sent the demons into the pigs. The pigs went off the cliff, remember? And I told you that that was the first mention of deviled ham in the Bible. (laughs) We could go on and on. But I think the greatest example of beholding his glory is on Mount Transfiguration. Write it down, Matthew 17. Peter, James, and John, and Jesus are on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus' glory and deity began to shine forth through his humanity. His face began to shine like the sun. His clothes became radiant white. Then Moses and Elijah showed up and a glory cloud descended on the mountain and a voice was heard from the cloud. Matthew 17, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And then Peter said, this is the coolest thing ever. Let's stay here and build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah and one for Jesus. And on this mountain, John beheld the glory of Jesus in a very real sense. His glory is shown not only in what he did, but also who he is. Verse 14, look at it again. The glory was full of what? 
grace and truth. It means the glory of God that is revealed in Jesus doesn't consume us in our sin. Anybody happy about that? Clap your hands and say amen. Will you do that? He doesn't consume us in our sin. It's, it's a glory that's full of grace and truth. Now, don't miss this word full. It has the idea of very, very great. His grace and his truth is very, very great. It's overflowing grace. This is really, really good news for us sinners because the word of God, Jesus, became flesh to be gracious to us. And his graciousness comes to us in harmony and unity and solidarity with his truthfulness. This is not wishy-washy, unprincipled, sentimental grace. This is righteous God exalting Costly grace that leads to the cross. As a matter of fact, this is the reason he became flesh. He became flesh to die a shameful, painful death for you and for me. Think about it. He had to have flesh and be human in order to die as the God man in our place. The word became flesh so that the death of Jesus will be possible The cross is where the fullness of grace and truth shines most bright. Don't we sing about it? He became sin who knew no sin. that We might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. Name above all names. Jesus Messiah. We sing about it. He became sin, are you listening, who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness, nothing new. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Somebody once put it this way, a sinless Jesus became sin-filled so that sin-filled people could be sin-free. As you study, I'll wait while you clap your hands. I'm going to write about it. As you study the gospel, you see grace and truth in that order. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, if you fast forward to John chapter 5, in your own time, uh, we'll get there uh, probably around 2017 at the rate we're going. And uh, John 5, grace and truth in that order. There's a man by the pool of Bethesda, and he's lying there waiting for someone to put him in. Jesus comes up. You know the story. Jesus comes up and says, do you want to be healed? The man says, of course, I want to be healed, but no one will put me in the stirring water. And the man said, if somebody will put me in, I would be healed. Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. Jesus later saw the man read the story. It's very interesting. Jesus later saw the man and he said, now that you have been healed, grace, he said, go away and sin no more. Truth. Fast forward again. Three chapters. John chapter 8. The woman caught in the act of adultery. They brought her to Jesus, threw her down and said, what should we do? 
Jesus began to write in the dirt. We don't know what he was writing, but one stone dropped after another as her accusers walked away. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? And she said, not here, Lord. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. Grace. Now go away. Somebody help me. Now go away and sin. Truth. Interesting. Jesus forgave them and then instructed them to leave their life of sin. We get that backwards, don't we? We think that we should leave our sin and then God will pardon us. That's not how grace and truth works. Listen, grace and truth works like this. He forgives. He sanctifies. He sets apart. He cleanses. And then he instructs us to leave our sin. Grace comes first. Grace always comes first. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourself. It's the gift of God. You're taking notes, Ephesians 2, 5, Ephesians 2, 5 through 8. And it's not, by grace, you have been saved. It's not of yourself. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Grace always comes first. Grace must come first if grace is going to be grace, because if it doesn't come first, then it's of works. And if it's of works, then it's not of God. Did you get that? I'm glad you got it. Almost bumbled it, but you got it. Praise the Lord. Grace always comes first. Grace comes first, then our obedience. Otherwise, it's not grace. Last note about grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth, and we should be full of grace and truth. I need y'all to say amen. amen. Can't have one without the other. Some people are so full of grace and not truth. You know, people like that, they're so full of grace. Like, oh, can we all just get along and can we just love each other and forgive each other and be kind? Grace and no truth. They won't tell you the truth. And some people are all truth. (laughs) Say, man. Well, all truth. Well, the word of God says this, boom. God's word says that, boom. Oh, uh, you're in sin. God's word says this in chapter 2, verse 5, boom, truth. No grace. I can't even spell grace, boom. <laughs> we need both Christians. We need a balance of both. Come on, y'all, say amen. Clap your hands. Come on. Look at verse 15. John goes back to the forerunner, John the Bee. John bore witness of him and said, this was he of whom, look at verse 15. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And keep in mind, John is six months older than Jesus. You know the story. Mary came to the house of Elizabeth Elizabeth is six months into her pregnancy, and Mary had just conceived. John the bee is six months older than Jesus, and yet John the Baptist said Jesus was, verse 15, look at it, he was before me. In your margins, you might want to write this down. He's talking about the pre-existent Jesus. He's talking about the Jesus before verse 1. Are you getting me? Before in the beginning. 
Jesus said, before Abraham was, what? I am. John is talking about the pre-existent Jesus. Think about it. John the writer. Listen, let me keep this clear for you. John the writer. He is the writer of five books of the New Testament. John, first, second, third epistle of John, and then the book of Revelation. John the writer, the apostle. He's approximately 90 years old. John is the last living apostle and the last eyewitness, and he's writing about the last of the Old Testament prophets, John the Baptist. Luke chapter 7, I think it's right around verse 28. Jesus said, among all the prophets, John was the greatest. Jesus said John was greater than Elijah. He is greater than Moses, greater than David, greater than Isaiah, greater than uh, Abraham. Uh, He's greater in regards to his prophetic ministry. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.